Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving two new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any upcoming football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot a million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. Use DraftKings.com slash sportbook for details. If you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. The 24th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you. And today we are going to talk about recruiting. Carolina has made the final three for a top uh, prospect in the 2022 class. They've been eliminated from their top overall target in that class, and they've missed on another potential target as well. We've got other news and notes we're going to get to at the end of the show. But we start with the pod thought of the day. Whenever we do recruiting ones, I try to find one that talks about the Carolina family or, or something close to that. We actually go to former Tar Heel Brad Doherty today. Oh, a little, a little, little race connection too. Yeah. After a great week at Daytona, Brad once said, "Once you get into that family at North Carolina, you are a part of the future and a part of the past." And Carolina is definitely looking to add people to that family in the near future. And we'll start with that being of Cam Whitmore. Um, he was on campus back at the end of August. We've talked a lot about Cam since the really since Schubert Davis got hired and Carolina got involved with his recruitment um, shortly thereafter. He's been, been on campus. He spent the last he, – he took the month of August really narrowing down his, his uh, recruitment. He had a top five or eight schools that Carolina made the list for. The other night he narrowed it down to his top three, which Carolina is also a finalist for, including Illinois – and Villanova, and uh, he hasn't said that – he hasn't listed a potential target date, 
But with a lot of these types of guys, they like to be committed before their high school seasons get underway. I don't think a commitment to him or, or a commitment coming from him is out of the question in the month of September, which is, of course, today is the first day of September. Um, but the interesting thing is that from all the people that are close to his recruitment, there isn't a leader. I mean, I think those of us that are involved with the Carolina side of things think we feel like we're in a really good spot. But the same could be said about Illinois, whose top recruiter comes from the Baltimore area, which Cam Whitmore is coming from. And then Villanova, you know, this is what Nova's doing now. When they when Nova first got on the scale of being back as a national power, they were more about recruiting a lot like Carolina was, three four star guys and developing into those kids and developing those kids. But now Villanova can go get whoever they want, wherever they want. That's a big recruiting for schools right there in the Big East as well. Um, so this is it's, it's just monumental because this is a this is what Carolina's been missing now for three years. Um, and so where do you think we stand now as we've survived two cut lists of still being this recruitment? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is hard to kind of gauge exactly where Carolina stands because I feel with basketball recruits especially, they, they're not covered as heavily as, as football recruits are in terms of – talking to these dudes at all these different camps and everything like that because they don't have those. You, you, you that, What they do in the offseason are basically just AAU tournaments, and you don't really set up all these, you know, the, these meetings with all these different guys and everything like that. So what we see a lot of from our side is we see most of the Carolina-heavy stuff. So we see the fact that Carolina – writers and people that are following this recruitment feel good about Carolina. But as you mentioned, they're probably saying similar things over on the Illinois websites and the Villanova websites. So it's a little bit tough to sort of gauge exactly where he's at. It seems like, I mean, look, he's in the top three, but it seems like he is definitely excited by what he's seen from Carolina. So I really feel like they've got a, a good chance. Um, it's worth monitoring over the next few weeks, especially if it feels like he's nearing a decision. You will probably start to see uh, some of these these writers, some of these experts will start to lean in one direction. And that's when usually you'll see some of the forecasts that will roll in on these major websites. But um, I, I, I mean, from everything that, that I've seen on him, uh, it, it feels like Carolina feels good about where they're at. And that's the thing, that that's the most important part, is that as long as the staff feels that they're in a good enough position, it doesn't matter how he has these schools seated right now. It feels like, at the least, these schools are close enough together right now that one school could probably do something to impress him, and they would become the leader. So that's that's where it feels like it's at right now. So if you're Carolina, you're feeling good about that part. But, you know, you, you're just waiting for your opportunity to swoop in and potentially, you know, pick up his commitment here over uh, the, the course of the next month. One thing that doesn't hurt them is that since Carolina got involved, and they got involved sort of late on him, is he's been a top priority from Hubert Davis, and then once Hubert Davis finalized that staff um, – even with the recruiting of Tyler Nickel, who's also another forward in this class that they're recruiting just as heavily, they want both of those guys. And I think Carolina and the way that we're wanting to play under Hubert Davis, I think you need both of those guys. I think that's what they're selling them on is that we're not recruiting one or the other. If one commits, we're still going to recruit you as well because we need 
both of those guys. If he doesn't commit in September, you probably look at the late night with Hubert Davis, whatever they're going to call that when that comes out. Those That is in the works of being released. They are going to have some sort of event. That is, that has been confirmed, but they don't know when and and you know and all that. Well, somebody does. Your, um, your boy, your boy Adam Lucas, friend of the podcast, he Mike. does. He does know. He knows of the festivities, but he doesn't know the specifics. I don't. Think. Um, I think the big thing is, is do you think you know Whitmore ultimately be a Tar Heel? I think the answer is yes, and I think you know as big as we talked about when they landed, when they flipped when they effectively flipped Seth Tremble from Michigan to Carolina, when they got Jalen Washington to come in as that first five-star under Hubert Davis. I think this is a bigger recruitment for Carolina because it's proven that you're you're able to sell these guys on a vision um, that with, you know, with, with no proven track record. You don't know what this offense is going to look like. You don't know what this team is going to look like under Hubert Davis. And to beat out a team like Villanova, who's going to be a perennial national title contender this year, and Illinois, who's coming off a best one of their best seasons in school history last year, it's a pretty big step in the right direction for this recruiting staff. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm the, the most worried of these three. Um, you know, and of course, outside of Carolina, I'm the most worried about Villanova. Yeah, so am I. Um, because he looks like a guy that fits kind of what we've seen from their type of players over the past few years. I mean, he he has some resemblance to Mikhail Bridges, Sadiq Bay, those types of players that they've had a lot of success with. But I think, and we've talked about it a lot on this on this podcast over the last few years. This team needs a wing. They haven't had a wing in a long time like this, probably since Justin Jackson or Cam Johnson. You're looking for that type of guy that can drive the basket a little more consistently. That's what Cam Whitmore does. So I think that they're going to know that, and I, I feel pretty confident that they are going to be able to lock down this commitment. He seems pretty uh, like I said he seems pretty impressed by what he's seen from the school and mainly what he's seen from the Carolina staff he has said that he likes the fact that the staff is all, is all Carolina guys so that's something that I think could have an influence on him that's kind of to tie in with your quote of the day the family impact seems to be something in this recruitment but the good news is is that even if they do miss on him, it seems like this is a uh, this is a position that they are prioritizing. They haven't done it a lot over the last few years, but this is a position where they've put out a lot of offers, yep. and it feels like they are going to be extremely aggressive, whether it's with Whitmore to land his commitment or if it's somebody else that they have to turn the heat up on if they don't land his commitment. Well, and I think the big thing is that they don't need they don't want or need just one of these guys. The way that Hubert Davis is wanting to play, you need multiple, which is why they've got multiple offers and why they're recruiting multiple guys. Um, it, it, it all starts and ends with Cam Whitmore. Another guy that we all thought Carolina was going to be a favorite to land was Jaden Bradley. Um, that's no longer the case. He uh, eliminated UNC from his list the other just last week. His list includes Alabama, Kentucky, Florida State, um, among some other schools. And, you know, I've had a lot of Carolina people come out and tell me, well, once they landed Seth Trimble, they just quit recruiting him as much. And that, that was the main reason why he took Carolina off this list. I don't know the legitimacy to that because I think Seth Trimble was what you have right now with R.J. Davis. He's a combo guard, 
but everything tells you he plays better or is a better as a off-ball two-guard as opposed to being a guy that runs the offense, sets the defense, is the quote-unquote leader of your team, which is what the point guard is supposed to be. I think the biggest thing that really might have affected this recruitment, and we didn't think about this as much as maybe we should have, is I think the retirement of Roy Williams really affected this decision. Had Roy Williams not retired, his history of recruiting and developing premier point guards is it was was as good as anybody in college basketball going back, developing Raymond Felton, recruiting Ty Lawson, recruiting Kendall Marshall, recruiting Marcus Page, Joel Berry, Kobe White, and Cole Anthony. Do you think that's a part of this as well? I mean, it could be, but if I'm not mistaken, Hubert Davis was his lead recruiter, right? He was. But so I understand. I mean, look, I get it. Was this the first time that it was – I'm being recruited by Hubert Davis to play for Hubert Davis as opposed to I'm being recruited by Hubert Davis to play for Roy Williams. See, I, I, I'm i going to be honest. I think, and look, there's there's a possibility that Carolina looks at Seth Trimble and thinks of him as a guy that they would rather have in, in the backcourt. I mean, look, some of those decisions are made. If they look at him as their point guard and they feel like he fits the system better, mainly I think the other thing, if they feel like he is a guy that's going to be a multi-year player there and they're looking for more stability at the point guard position than they've had here in the last few years, then so be it. I don't know if that's the case, though. I think there is a chance that this was more Bradley looking and saying, well, they got a guy that's playing point guard. He's doing so in a lot of AAU tournaments, and he's looking really good this offseason. I know I'm going to go there. I'll probably be the guy that's going to be the favorite to start. But the other thing is, is he's also probably looking at the class after him and seeing Robert Dillingham there as well. He wants to be a one-and-done guy, but as we saw with Caleb Love, there's no guarantee. So I wonder if he looks and just kind of feels like, I can go to one of these other schools. Primarily the one I think that stuck out the most to people and made them think that could be the direction that he's leaning is Alabama. Where you look at that school and you say, okay, if he goes there, he's the guy. No doubt. If he comes to Carolina, I mean, look, he, he could be the guy, but... Uh, I don't know if he maybe just looks at everything that's around him and says, you know, I mean, the other thing is, is we're not we're not entirely sure that Caleb Love is gone after this year. Does being could the, happen. Does being the guy at Alabama give you more draft stock than being a guy at North Carolina that's playing in the final four more than it used to? That's what matters because now, I mean, look at some of these guys that are getting drafted near the top of the draft. Your team doesn't have to be great. To be honest, look at some of the guys that have been drafted. Their teams haven't even made the tournament. Like, I mean, Ben Simmons didn't make the tournament. But if you're putting your whole thing into draft stock, being a guy, and look, Alabama, I know they just made the Sweet 16, and that program looks like to be a national contender compared to what Carolina has done in the past and what we expect to do in the future. I'm not not arguing that, but I'm saying the path to making it to the NBA now is not as as heavily based on the team that is around you. To be honest with you, most NBA scouts, I feel like they used to care more about 
the t- about the success of your team. Now I'm going to be oh, honest. No. They don't they don't care at all no. about the success of your team. Markel Fultz proved that his team was god awful, and they drafted him basically thinking he was he was going to be a superstar. Now he's had a lot of injuries as well. But he's also proved he wasn't all that good of a player. And if he was all that good of a player, his team would have been better. So that's if you're looking at this from a draft standpoint, if you're Jaden Bradley, you could say, well, look, if I'm the guy somewhere and I can lead my team to a lot of success, it can work. And I mean, look at Alabama. I mean, they had, they had Colin Sexton a few years ago that, that did that and went on and he's, I mean, He's having a solid career with Cleveland. I mean, now he's stuck in Cleveland, so that doesn't really help him. But that's a guy what I'm at, a, gay, a, a guy at North Carolina with the staff that is going to be driving player development led by Pat Sullivan with 18 years of Look, experience in the NBA. I'm not saying that I would have made the decision. I'm just trying to get into his head and think, what, what avenue is he looking at this at? Because to me... I don't see how they weren't in that in that list. Especially, uh, but, like, you know, you brought up the whole Caleb Love thing. But the whole idea of playing with two point guards at the same time was centered around having a guy like Jaden Bradley on the court with a Caleb Love at the same time. R.J. Davis is not a true point guard. So you're not playing with two point guards when they're both on the floor at the same time. You're playing with a point guard and then a combo guard. I think this was more of I'm being recruited by Hubert Davis to play for Hubert Davis and not Roy Williams. I may be wrong. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If that's the mindset, then uh, then then best of luck to him. That's uh, that's a terrible mindset to take. I mean, you're look, you're talking about a staff that has one of the best player development guys out there. He's been in the league for how many years now? That's now on the staff. You want to get where you want to go. This staff is built to help you get where you want to go. I mean, look, some of his other options are still pretty good. They are, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you th- if that's if that's the reason why you're taking Carolina off the list, and with it w- with it being the fact that that was your main recruiter, and that and now you're changing course, I mean, great. Honestly, here's the thing: next time, don't play somebody. Don't come out and – I mean, if he was your main guy that was recruiting you and you didn't you didn't really like him being your recruiter, then you should have just you should have just said, look, I'm not interested at all. Why were you playing the game then? That's, to me, why it doesn't make sense where all of a sudden things would have changed. They could have, but the other thing is, is I feel like with him, because we heard a lot more around him than even like Cam Whitmore, I feel like that's something that we would have seen a long time ago, right after Roy retired, well, remember, we would have seen something. Hey, man! The first thing Hubert Davis about going did somewhere else. was reaffirm his scholarship offer in the 2022 class, and, and was after, still a priority. After Roy retired, he actually received a crystal ball prediction on one of the websites, so he still had a good connection. I, I'm not. I, I mean, look, you're. That's what you think happened, and that's that's fine. I don't. I really would hope that that's not what's what's happening here. I'd hope not either. I think another so, thing you brought up, and I think it plays a big factor, is not just the recruitment of Robert Dillingham, it's the development of him. This guy just won the 16 and under National Player of the Year award or whatever on the AAU circuit. He is he's a he's a factor. 
and I get that. And Carolina is actively recruiting him, as they should, because he is the prized point guard recruit of that class. Um, in my opinion, and I've stressed this the last time we talked recruiting, if you missed on Jaden Bradley, I feel like Robert Dillingham is a is a pretty much is, is, is almost as close to a must get in September of 2021 as as it can be because you don't want to enter that same situation you had in 2019 and 20 where if injuries occur you're starting Creighton Lebo as your point guard you don't you don't want to be in that situation again like you were when KJ Smith was starting and playing meaningful minutes for you in the ACC during that season Another guy that Carolina missed on, we're not going to go as deep into this one as with Bradley because, frankly, his recruitment was about as odd as there ever has been. Was Isaac Trout, a big man that Carolina, of course, got involved in as well after the hire of Hubert Davis, visited Carolina back in June when Carolina was allowed to host official visits. Had a great visit, he said. Um, He went to Virginia, um, which wasn't a surprise on the day he announced. The thing about him... That was just so odd, and unless I missed it, I went back through his Twitter feed and, and did some research and never re- never released an official list of his top schools. He just went around, visited the schools that he felt like fit him, Carolina, of course, Virginia, went to Michigan State and Gonzaga. He winds up, of course, with the Virginia Cavaliers, an ACC opponent of Carolina. Um, I think the big thing here is you've already got Will Shaver in the class, but I got in the class in quotations because he's reclassifying and will join the Tar Heels after the first of the of 2022. With that move happening, and Carolina has plenty of offers in the front court with big men, should that be a priority uh, in terms of adding another player in that class along with the Cam Whitmore, Tyler Nichols? I, I don't think it's a priority. I mean, I, I think you look at, even though he's moving into that next class, I mean, he's moving into that next class to come in and learn. Maybe to pursue possibly some NIL opportunities if they're there. I don't really know. He's not all that highly rated as a point guard, but or point guard, as a prospect is what I meant to say. But uh, he, you, you never really know. I don't, I don't know how influential Will Shaver is on social media, so there could be some potential there. I don't think that it's crucial because, I mean, again, you're looking at next year. I mean, who from this front court are we sure is gone after this year? I mean, Brady Manick. Well, Baycott and Garcia both went through the NBA draft process. I don't, I don't think that either one of those guys I, – I think okay, I think Garcia has a chance – if he can build on what he did last year at Marquette, if he can take that another step, I think he's he's the he fits what the NBA is looking for in a big man. I don't know if Armando Baycott is a guy that right now is on NBA radars because I'm going to be honest. Well, I think you guys. I have what that three his, point shot looks like. Yeah, I. I mean, and that's the thing. That's going to be crucial. If he can develop that and do it quickly, then he's going to have a chance. But if, if, if that's something that's going to take time to work its way in, he's going to have to stay. Because as of as of when he entered the draft process this past summer, he was not on any radars that I've seen. He wasn't invited to the combine. So I, that tells me that he's still got some work to do there. So I think he'll be back. I think there's a chance that Garcia could come back as well. And... Again, I think you look at Jalen Washington coming in in your front court. 
you will, you know, you'll 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 have Shaver, even though he's reclassified. This isn't reclassifying as a five star prospect, and he's going to come in, come in and potentially be a star right away and leave. This is a guy that's coming in early to try to get a head start on the learning curve, and could actually be more of a contributor for you with him coming in early than if he had stayed in this class. So that's that's how I look at it. Um, but I, I mean. I don't think it's crucial, but they have two guys that they're still talking to. Oh. And I think now you th- there is room down there to where you can probably sell some guys on this. But this gets back into the conversation that we've had as to do you want a guy like Derek Lively, which that's probably the guy of the two, no doubt I would take him. I mean, he's number he's the number two player in the country. Uh, seven one. I mean, he's pretty much what you want in your big man because he can do it all. So if you can if you can land his commitment, then there's no doubt you're taking that one on. Deontay Green is a different conversation because that's one of those ones where you have to say to yourself, you know, we could get this guy, but if that means that we're not going to have a, a possible spot on the roster open if we want to pursue the transfer portal next year. Do you take him rather than leaving that spot open? I think the world's got turned upside down before Deontay Green's a Tar Heel. Um, Push, you know, delayed his visit to Carolina into August. Never took the visit to Carolina. Um, The chances of him being a Tar Heel are pretty much slim and none. Lively, um, there's a pretty good chance, more so or not, he's going to wind up in Durham and be a part of, of John Shire's first recruiting class as well. I think the reason why they won't freak out is because you've got the transfer portal. And I think that will be where they go whenever they feel like they need to add depth or add a roster spot, especially if you can, if Brady Manick comes in and does what he did at Oklahoma, but at North Carolina in the national spotlight more often, which shoots, you know, he comes in and shoots 30% from three and does a lot of great things for you. Then it'll be easier to sell. Transfer big men transferring into your program. Same with Dawson Garcia, if he comes in well, I, and does I, a lot of a lot of good things. I don't think it's it's also. Let's say both of those guys come in and aren't quite what people are thinking of. Even if if they don't, that's something you can't abandon. You no, just you can't. can't. That's a part it, of it should, recruiting. It, it'll now. just be harder to sell. You pl- selling players to come play for you. You can play for, for North Carolina, yeah, but come play for you in the way you want to play. If there's not proven success, yeah, I, of, now, of that happening. Look, I think both guys are going to be fine. So do I. I. I don't think that either one of those guys are going to struggle. Not like we saw from Justin Pierce. And I don't Christian think so. Um, so I think they'll be fine in that respect. But that's part of how you have to recruit now, as far as we know. They are not, even because you do still have a super senior year, or no, do they have super senior years that will be available? Yes, you still have that whole extra year of eligibility. So so you do still have those in play that you've got to, you've got to look forward to in the coming years as well. You've got to kind of project forward on that. As far as we know right now, uh, they will not extend scholarship numbers. So you've got to still recruit with a mindset of, we're, hey, we're going to try to recruit a full roster, but at the same time, we want to keep some spots open 
one, possibly even two, just in case we have a position where we need to get a veteran presence at. That's what's going to be so different going forward over these next couple of years as opposed to what we were used to in yeah. recruiting. Because what we were used to is, especially at Carolina, if you've got an extra roster spot, fill it. Yep. But now it's like, okay, well, you could fill it, or you could have a veteran guy similar to Dawson Garcia or Brady Manick that enters the transfer portal, and all of a sudden we have a veteran guy at a position of need, and we can put that guy in instead of, you know, a, a, a young freshman who may or may not be able to contribute right out of the gate for us. I don't think Carolina will ever have a full roster of players during the season. I, 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 I don't think... I don't think that's how Hubert Davis is going to recruit because I don't think that's how you should recruit anymore because of the what the transfer portal does. Because yep. you don't have to – now you can transfer. You don't have to sit out a year. If you had to sit out a year, that wouldn't be the case. But once they got rid of that, you know, it pretty much created college athletics free agency. Um, so it'll be something to monitor. Something I have on my rundown that I did not put on yours, Carolina's also been eliminated from Chris Livingston's recruitment, five-star guard that they got involved with as well. Never really was going to be a major factor for him from the beginning. Not too much of a big surprise there. Going to finish up with some Tar Heel uh, basketball notes. We start, Bryce Johnson has signed to play over in Japan. He confirmed this on Twitter last night um, after saying that pretty much he just went after the, the media, saying the media isn't, you know, it's reporting that he's not playing. He has signed a, a, a deal to play over in Japan. He's spent most of his professional basketball career overseas after a brief stint in the NBA with the Clippers and I believe the Memphis Grizzlies. He was once a part of their roster. Speaking of Brady Manick, told you guys this last week, but in case you forgot, his apparel is available online through FanJoy. I was looking online. Must, must get. Um, he's got some pretty cool shirts <laughs> that I do think at some point I'm going to cop. Um, so, but so his apparel is available. Joining Leaky Black, so far they're the only two tours to have their own merchandise available online. Leaky Black, he launched his back earlier this summer. Probably going to grab a shirt from of him as well. Also, you got Justin McCoy. If you need some new underwear, he's got that deal with PSD underwear, um, which I might have to cop as well. Speaking of underwear, by the way, you're you're. You're just not hip enough to use cop. Cop. No, no. I can I can use cop. No. Did you see that uh they're auctioning off a pair of Michael Jordan's used underwear? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like it this these are supposedly game worn yeah. underwear. So we're talking about we're talking about in game booty sweat. Yeah. How Who, much how much would you pay to have some of Michael Jordan's sweat on your wall? Uh zero dollars. <laughs> zero dollars. I don't look, man. I love MJ. He is a Tar Heel through and through to this day. Heck of a player. I still think the greatest of all time. I do not want a a pair of game-worn, possibly skid-mark-filled underwear Yikes. on my wall. I I don't get it. But there, I'm going to tell you, there. I will say right now, there will be somebody that will pay a million dollars for that. I mean, I understand why he's Unbelievable, doing it. Unbelievable, but somebody will do it. After he's renting a yacht that rents for $1.6 million a week. Did you see this thing? 
by yeah. the way, too. Yeah. Oh my! I mean, so if I was spending one point six million dollars, that's a power move. By um, I would my be looking God. at a way to recuperate that kind of money. Some other news before we get out of here: Roy Williams will be the keynote speaker at the 2020 commencement ceremony when Carolina will honor the 2020 graduating class. Um, and then lastly, if you want to go to uh, Connecticut for Thanksgiving, the tickets for the Hall of Fame tip-off classic are now on sale. There's nothing in Connecticut worth seeing in November except good college basketball. You're going to have four nationally ranked teams there. I mean, New York City's close, I, yeah. mean, I guess, yeah. if you want to drive all the way there. I uh, don't think I'd want to do that either. But those tickets are now officially on sale as we are less than four weeks away, or we're four weeks away exactly from Carolina opening practice. We oh. are just over two months away from Carolina's season opener November 9th, which, of course, will kick off the Hubert Davis era. So with that, guys, we are going to go ahead and get out of here. Before we let you go, get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we've got the recent basketball news up about Carolina's recruiting woes as they, they missed on Jaden Bradley, they missed on Isaac Trout, but they did land in Cam Whitmore's final three. I wrote an article about that. But it is game week for Tar Heel football. We are getting you ready for the showdown. Friday night at Virginia Tech with our preview on the blog and the podcast side of things. And following that game, we'll have full breakdowns with the the, the uh, recap, my trench report, and the stock report will follow whatever happens on Friday night in Blacksburg as we are fully immersed in football season mode on the blog side of things on the podcast side of things I want you guys to rate review but we want you guys ultimately to subscribe to the podcast still doing just right now about once once a week but once we get closer to the season of course in season there will be game by game podcast we'll be doing about two to three a week once we get back into season mode so that way you want you guys to subscribe though you don't miss any editions of the four corners podcast well with that we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up want to thank anthony for hosting with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.